Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Church, uh, this morning's scripture is from Mark chapter 2, and it is printed on, or follow along in your Bibles, printed on page 5 of the worship guide, and should be, I think, on the screen soon. Uh, Mark 2, 23 to 28. Uh, One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why, why are you, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you not read, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? And he, and he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this morning, um, time that we can just gather together as a body. I pray that you help us through Joel's sermon today to learn what it is truly to rest um, and start out the the week um, with a posture of rest and and restoration, Lord. Um, Teach us truly what it means um, to be resting in the Sabbath and in you and to have both physical um, and spiritual rest, Lord. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. If uh, for the holiday weekend or at any point you want to see all of D.C., uh, that is going to involve quite a bit of walking. Uh, In order to get from museum to museum, in order to get through museums, in order to see the monuments and memorials, you are going to put in work. uh, Because only so much is accessible by car. In a similar way, if you say for the fall, I want to become a bit more healthier, Uh, Maybe I have a goal of wanting to run one mile or complete a 5K, and you start to run, it's going to take some work and effort uh, to begin to accomplish that goal. You're going to have to run and uh, run a bit more than you might be used to. And one of the things that can happen is as you start walking much more in order to see the sights, or uh, you begin to run to become more healthy or to accomplish some sort of goal, uh, you may run into a problem. Because if you, the more and more you do some activity, uh, the more and more it can have an effect on you. After walking day over day in ways that you're not used to, you may begin to get pain right here. Ah, every step you take you begin to feel it more and more. It didn't used to feel this way. And the same is true if you start to run and you want to get healthier. And you say, so I'm going to go out and I'm just going to run day over day over day over day. What can happen is what what starts out well in trying to get you in shape uh, ends up in a significant case of medial tibial stress syndrome, also known as shin splints. You begin to feel it. 
There is this tension that you experience, whether you are trying to take in the tour sites or whether you're trying to uh, grow in your physical abilities of walking or running, that overwork can lead to injury. That overwork can lead to injury. So in a sense, the thing that gets you going the direction you want to go starts off well. You start to repeat that. That's great. Consistency. Good job. But there can be a downside that if you continue to do that day over day over day in really intense levels, what started off as a good thing can result in an injury. And so at some level, your intensity, your frequency for all of our activities must involve rest. There's this balance, right? You can't see DC if you're not going to walk. You can't get faster if you don't run. But if you do those things day over day over day over day, you're going to get injured. You're going to feel pain in ways that you haven't typically felt. And, and, and so there's this balance of how do I go about the things that I want to do and get there, but without resulting in injury. And the way that God created the world, going all the way back to Genesis 1, as a part of creation, and for you here this morning, if you're a human being, part of human existence, the Bible makes the claim that the way in which you operate in life has to strike a similar balance. That uh, while in some sense you may be really good at what you do, your ambition you're not ever wanting to sit still, your sense of need of accomplishment, your very identity can become so wrapped up in what you do that there's no balance. You can get, in a sense, a case of the spiritual shin splints. Your soul can begin to ache. And when God created the world... This concept of rest, this idea that you can't do the same activities at an intense level, whether work or hobby, whether uh, uh, care for yourself or care for others, that you can't just go and go and go at high levels of intensity without ever stopping. You weren't created to do that, so Scripture says. In the Genesis account, in God's giving of the law, in Exodus 20, in Deuteronomy 5, and here... In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is interacting with people who are trying to navigate this balance between work and rest. And in our particular moment of time, as Adam, I'm not going to repeat everything he said. He did a great job introducing the confession of sin. We are prone in our area to overwork. We feel some pressure to wrap our identity up with what it is we're producing and what it is we're accomplishing. And so this morning, we get to hear from Jesus this reinforcement and redefinition of what it means to be restful as part of our own human experiment or experience. In this series that we have been going through, Habits of Spiritual Growth, we've talked about vocation as a good thing, uh, a vocation as part of your gifted and God-given gifts expression of life, a way in which you can frame up the world where you use your gifts, this is kind of the counterbalance to that. This idea that that doesn't mean just work without ever ceasing. Uh, always go at intense levels no matter what. This morning, 
we'll see Jesus' reminder, his reinforcement of rest and redefinition of rest from Mark's gospel. So those are our two points this morning, reinforcement of rest and redefinition of rest. So an important note on context, right? I get that you dropped into chapter 2 and right in verse 23, one Sabbath. And that may not be a super common thing for you to know or be conversant about. So I'm going to take just a moment and let you know that Sabbath in uh, Jesus' time started on Friday evening and would run until Saturday evening. It was a significant part of the law. It was uh, connected to the fourth commandment. So going all the way back to the Old Testament and even further to creation, when God set up what it looked like to uh, live as human beings, what it looked like to flourish, what it looked like to love him and to love one another, it involved rest. And Sabbath at both an individual level and as a community, meant that you would stop working. That you would work six days in a given week, and on Sabbath, you would stop working. You would cease working. You would rest, and over time, that community would worship together. So in Exodus 20, verse 8, God commanded his people, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, A way to say set apart, different different from the other six days. Other six days go at super intense levels. On the Sabbath day, rest. The seventh day is a Sabbath devoted to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, so says God in his law in Exodus 20. So this command was taken seriously, both individually and as a community People recognize this is part of what it means to honor God. We have to set that day aside. And so in Jesus' day, people who cared deeply about the law uh, and a a particular group of people, the Pharisees, they uh, took that command and its practice uh, and took it zealously uh, to be worked out in the life of their community. So that's where we drop into verse 23. It's on a Sabbath day. Jesus and his disciples are going through the grain fields. Uh, So they are headed, much as they do throughout the Gospels, from place to place, as news of God's kingdom and the arrival of the chosen one, Jesus, is going out to various communities. Jesus and his disciples are walking, and they're going through a grain field. And as they make their way, the disciples, as they're walking along, they pluck They take some of the heads of grain. And the Pharisees, they see this. They see what the disciples are doing. And so they go to Jesus in verse 24 and they say, Look, why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? And so what's working out here in this text that's kind of behind the words that you're reading is this question of what does it look like for us as a people to practice Sabbath in Jesus' day? So the Pharisees felt like the disciples weren't living up to this commandment of God. They weren't taking serious this idea of rest. They, as they walked along, were plucking heads of grain. And by doing so, that could have been interpreted as work, uh, uh, that is, harvesting this field. And so they go to Jesus and say, hey, 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 hey. Your disciples can't do that. 
It's not allowed. That's work. This is the Sabbath. And the million-dollar question of the text becomes, what does it mean to work? What does it mean to, to rest? So what's the balance between going at an intense level and then stopping and keeping with God's law? So in Jesus' response, one of the important takeaways that I want you to know is Jesus does not, and this is particularly important for us to hear, as Jesus engages in his response to the Pharisees, he doesn't say, hey, the Sabbath doesn't matter anymore. Hey, that whole idea of six days of work and one day of rest, that's gone. Kingdom of God's here now. That doesn't exist anymore. That's not exactly what happens in this text. That as Jesus responds, he, in a sense, reinforces going all the way back to creation that rest is good. That rest is a part of how we function. Jesus uh, reinforces the reality that both individually and as a community, we do take time to cease from our work. We do gather together. We do give of ourselves and show up here as opposed to uh, going to work or knocking out the things that need to be done. And it's helpful for us to see and hear Jesus' reinforcement of rest, particularly in our current moment. We live in a time and place where increasingly work or recreation or the things that we have to get done in a given week begin to push in where it feels like every day is the same. We wake up with a task list. And and, and if I'm being honest, I have concern for you individually and as our community in a post-pandemic world. One of the things that I'll often ask people is like, what does work look like for you? Or what's your return to work policy and how is that happening in your given workplace? And the looks that I get and the responses are, are like, it's always like, you know, it's, it's all, it's a work in progress. Uh, because now with technology, work can go with you almost anywhere you can go. You can set up and work from almost any location so long as you have some sort of electronic device and internet connection. And I will tell you the reason why that causes me concern is it used to be easier in a sense when that wasn't the reality to partition out when you weren't at work and to relieve the pressure on you to have to do work. But now that many are working from home in new ways, And now that with a phone or tablet or laptop and an internet connection, you can be called upon or emailed or texted at any given moment in the week, the pressure ramps up to, in a sense, always be available. And so it's good, I think, for us to hear Jesus' reinforcement of this idea that there has to be windows of time where we set that aside. We, as a community, have to resist that pressure One of the ways is we get to know one another and care for one another is we can ask, how is it that you take some time away from work? What does that look like for you? That's a great community group discussion question. Because it lets us in to reflect on this reality of, am I being pushed? Am I succumbing to those pressures that I'm just always going, always accomplishing, always trying to achieve? Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying work is bad. I'm not saying don't accomplish those things. It's that balance 
of if you do that without end, the danger for your soul is those spiritual shin splints, that you begin to wrap up who you are and your worth in what it is you're producing. The danger of that is at any given moment when you stop to work, when you actually try to rest, you get kind of twitchy. You begin to wonder, what, what am I supposed to do? What, what even is this? Because you're just not used to it. That's not good for our souls. That's like the pain that we feel right in here. That we have to reflect on and care for one another and hear Jesus' reinforcement of what it means to rest. And so it's just a good question for us to reflect on. What does it mean for us to rest? What does that look like for your given lives? I want to stop right now and encourage you. You showed up to church on a Sunday morning. You got up, you got dressed, you got in a car, or you walked, or you took public transportation, and you showed up here to sing and pray. You know what that means? That means in some sense you are hitting pause on your given week and on your workload, and you are practicing what Jesus reinforced, that our humanness is connected to more than just what we do during the week. That's part of why church is so important. That's why coming together as a community in person is so important. And I want you to hear that, and I hope be encouraged you are doing it here in this morning. Now, can there be a temptation to think of church as just this like checkbox thing? Yes, that's a temptation. You should resist that. Uh, uh, Can it be a temptation to think of church as this religious quid pro quo? I did some bad stuff during the week. I got to go to church to get that taken care of, and then I'm all good with God. Yes, that's a danger. Resist that. When you show up to church, you should think, I have the opportunity and privilege to go and meet together with the true and living God, to sing and to pray, and he hears me, to gather at his table where he meets with me spiritually, and I get to do it with other sisters and brothers who care about me. At its best, that view of church helps us to show up and set our work aside and say, surely there's more to life than what's on my Google Drive. Or surely there's more to life than what's on my work to-do list or on the whiteboard in my house or apartment that needs to get accomplished. Surely there is more to what it means to be human than just that. When you come to church and you get to sing and pray and hear from God's word and meet with him at his table, you get to hear, yes, sister, yes, brother, yes, child, yes, son, yes, daughter, yes, friend. There is more to life than just those things. That is part of Jesus' reinforcement of rest. But he goes on and he does more than just that. He redefines what Sabbath means. So if some would say, I never need to rest, Jesus reinforces it. But in verses 25 and 26, using an Old Testament example, he redefines a bit how people think about this. So in verse 25, he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and gave it also to those who were with him. Jesus is responding to the Pharisees because they wanted to go the opposite direction. So if one end is we never rest, and that's probably the pressure that we felt, in this one interaction in the Gospel of Mark, the, the, the Pharisees wanted to place on the disciples a whole set of rules of exactly what it meant to cease from work, exactly what they could and couldn't do. 
but that those rules were so restrictive on them that they were missing some of the point of what God is doing in his kingdom. And Jesus pushes it back against that. There was a time a few years ago where uh, I took our kids to go see uh, this collection of trains. And, uh, you know, I, you may or may have seen these before, but basically model trains that are put together that operate on tracks. And uh, you can have, like, landscapes, and they can go over bridge, over water, and it's run basically off of battery power, right? It's incredible. Now, our kids who were younger at the time, uh, they're pretty excited about these trains. They want to touch the landscapes. They want to, like, how does this work? They want to pick it up. Well, everything was encased in glass. And on the wall when you walk in is a whole list of rules. Here's the things you can't do. It almost left when I asked them after, like, so what'd you think? It almost left them with this feeling of, like, it was so restrictive. How is that fun? <laughs> this is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. They're looking at the disciples saying, what? why are they eating this? Why are they, the rules. Can't you see the rules are posted? And Jesus said, hey, look, y'all, uh, rest. I want to reinforce what's going on here with rest and ceasing from work. You can put the rules so long and specific that you can just miss what's going on here. In this context in specific, just what God is doing. And so he gives them an Old Testament example from 1 Samuel when David and his men were, uh, as part of God's covenant mission to them, they're out on a mission and they're, they're hungry. And as part of accomplishing their mission, they take some of the bread that wasn't lawful to eat, to eat, to nourish themselves as they continue to do the work that God had given them. Here, you can see the parallels maybe with the disciples and Jesus traveling from town to town to announce that Jesus has arrived. The chosen one is here. God's kingdom has arrived. This is good news that must go out. So picking a few heads of grain and crushing it between your hands and eating to give you some strength to get to the next town to make this news go out. Yeah, that's just part of the deal. Don't get so caught up. Don't become so scrupulous about what the Sabbath involves and what rest entails and, and, and what ceasing from work may mean and trying to apply that to everybody that you miss out on what God's doing. In verse 27, he gives the reason for his ability to redefine. So if the first thing that Jesus does in response is give them an example from the Old Testament, in verse 27, he further gives them reason for his redefinition. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. New Testament scholar Donald Hagner wrote about this interaction. He said, quote, we see again that what's being asserted is not Jesus' exegesis of the command is better than the rabbis. Like Jesus isn't getting lost here in a rabbinical back and forth, but rather Something and someone with something dramatically significant is present, forcing the discussion to a completely different level. The Pharisees have followed Jesus and his disciples through this field, and they want to argue about the list of rules on the wall and about what it means to stop from work. Jesus is telling them, the Son of Man, the one who you've hoped for, the reality of God's work in the world, it's shown up right here. You want to argue about Rule 9C? You're missing something. Sabbath and the idea of rest, Jesus reinforces, but he says that was instituted uh, to help us understand what God is doing in creation and what he's doing in redemption. 
and to look forward to what we will have in the new heavens and new earth. Jesus uses this language from the prophet Daniel almost as an echo. His Christological claim to be the son of man means that he didn't misunderstand rule 9c. He understood just what God's doing in this moment. That the kingdom had arrived. That this may transform how the law works out. It doesn't invalidate the law. It doesn't set it aside. It doesn't mean it's not important for our human existence. But that it is going to be changed because the Christ has arrived. That the kingdom's arrival is going to update things. That version 2.0, the reality that we experience in Christ, is now going to be a part of our life. And so, whether you're here this morning and you're in danger of overworking to the point where you don't even know what to do when you have moments of quiet, like you start to get a bit twitchy or anxious or nervous, for you, Jesus invites you to come to him and experience rest. Jesus is saying, listen, it's not that some structure in your lives are bad, but for the ways that you fail to live up to the law, for the ways in which you miss the rules, for the ways in which you're breaking rules that you don't even know, I am the one, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life and life more abundantly that you're invited in faith to come to and receive real rest. Or whether you are so lost in what the scrupulous practice of religion looks like that you sometimes forget God is at work in our world and invites us to participate in it. And so that we're to look to and become like Jesus himself. No matter which side, and maybe you vacillate between both, Jesus opens his hands and says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Because of his work of obedience, because of his sacrifice on the cross, Christ pays the price for your failures when it comes to work and rest. He calls you to a new identity and invites you in for free. That's what Grace means not some task list, not some exchange, not some new set of behaviors to perform, but rather a pausing from the day in, day out grind and saying, where is my ultimate identity to be found? And how could I ever achieve what my ambition or my expectations or my family's expectations or the culture around me places on me? Jesus invites you, friends, to turn to him in faith and to experience true rest. So that here, when he reinforces rest and redefines rest, he invites us in to experience rest. To begin to practice and work that out in Christ week over week in ways that become a habit for our own spiritual growth. In a way that allows us to resist the work, school, or life pressures that push in on us in a way that encourages us, invites, exhorts us to live up to who we can be, not only as human beings, but as followers 
of the true king. Let me pray that we'll do that faithfully. God, I ask that you will watch over us and that as we go through our week to week, give us strength to resist the temptations to uh, keep at it, to keep accomplishing, to keep achieving in ways that never involve a moment of contemplation or reflection or meditation or rest. Christ, I pray that you will give us strength to do that and by the power of your spirit encourage each of us here this morning that when we worship, it is a countercultural pushback against those types of workplace pressures. This is part of what it looks like for us to rest. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.